Welcome to the Caregiver's Toolbox, tools for everyday caregiving. We provide education and information on senior care topics. Here's your host, Ryan McGinnis. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the likely greatest podcast of all time, The Caregiver's Toolbox. My name is Ryan McAniff. I am your host. I'm also the owner of Minute Women Home Care. Today, I am with Tom Matthews of Gibson Sotheby's. He is located in the Concord and Western area of Massachusetts, which is about, you know, half an hour outside of Boston, providing services to people that want to sell and buy homes. And so it's an important step right now because as people in Massachusetts are finding out that, you know, there's a town in Massachusetts called Somerville and it used to be called Slummerville because it was a rough section of the Boston area. And people have purchased houses for under six figures there in the 80s that are now worth well over a million dollars. And there are a lot of people out there that are sitting on not a lot of cash, but a ton of equity in their home. And as they age, they need to figure out what to do with that equity and how they want to use that to be able to make it last as long as possible for as they get older into their golden years. And that's why I thought having Tom come in here, he's an excellent realtor. He's been my realtor before and talk about kind of what he sees out there. Obviously, Tom, thank you so much for coming on the show. Appreciate it. It's great to get your expertise and kind of share that information and education and knowledge with our listeners. So thank you so much. Thank you, Ryan. I'm excited to be here. And it's great to be able to provide a service to help your listeners understand more about the real estate end of the transaction and how we can help people. Yeah. And giving us 30 minutes in between the machine gun fire of listing homes and selling homes and things like that before we hit the record button. And Tom was just some examples of how crazy it is out there still in at least our neck of the woods in the Northeast. So it's still very busy. So thanks for taking the time. You know, you work in an area of the Boston suburbs and predominantly you're in between kind of 95 and 495. That's kind of your wheelhouse of those uh, suburban areas that are generally high net worth. And so are you seeing a lot of seniors in those communities? Are they downsizing? Are they staying in place and aging in place in a likely a multi-million dollar home that's appreciated over the last 30 years? What are you seeing in that kind of section of our area in Massachusetts? It's a great question, Ryan. And we've seen a shift, a demographic shift, whereas, you know, previously, as people were getting into their 60s and 70s, they were selling the family home and moving maybe to Florida or to a condominium. But what we're finding right now is a lot of people are looking to age in place. And so oftentimes the family members, our clients of ours, have asked us to go in and talk to their parents and give them some options of how, if they want to stay in the home, how they can stay in the home. We do a market analysis so they can see the appreciation because right now the tax code does allow for a married couple to take $500,000 of appreciable gain above their acquisition price tax free. So it does give people incentive if they do want to move. But people that want to stay, we talk to them about reverse mortgages. We talk to them about bringing in architects to potentially redesign the property because a lot of people in New England own center entrance colonials that have a great first floor plan, but then all the bedrooms and bathrooms are on the second floor. And oftentimes we can talk to them and introduce them to an architect, but maybe taking that living room that they haven't used in 15 years and making it into a first floor master so that they can retain the ability to stay in their home. Because, you know, one thing, as you know, working with the elderly population, people are healthier, they're more mobile, 
They want to stay with their community. You know, the biggest challenge we have in the suburbs in Massachusetts is that we don't have a lot of new construction. So if you're selling your home and you've been in your community for 20 years, a relocation likely is going to take you seven to 10 miles away and may impact your ability with your church friends and your community. And so a lot of people are looking at options to age in place. And, you know, one of the things that we experienced, and this was pre-COVID, well before COVID, was one of my employees was retiring. She was a longtime Minute Women employee when my aunt was around, and she lived up in Westford, and she wanted to stay close to home to see her grandchildren, which is a completely understandable move. But it's tough to sell your home these days and then buy something that isn't going to basically put you into a house that you have a massive monthly mortgage that you have to pay, assuming you put 20% down the standard. And so that's probably leading a lot of seniors to really consider aging in place because, you know, seven to 10 miles might be on the, the low end sometimes. In some cases, it could be, you know, out of state. They moved up to New Hampshire because they couldn't afford the area anymore. And that must be a, a big decision families are faced with when looking at what their future is going to look like. Yeah. In small world, you actually referred that client to me and I helped them sell their home <laughs> a few years ago. But no, I mean, that's a big consideration. And the other consideration that a lot of people have right now, particularly for deciding whether to sell the single family home and to maybe buy a condominium, a lot of them have paid their mortgage off so they have their property taxes and so forth. But the condo fees in a lot of condo complexes are so high that a lot of people are trying to weigh the math on what's the right move. Do we stay and continue with our vendors or do we make the move? And that's something that takes time. I would say on average, when I meet with someone who's been in their home, let's say at least 20 years, I would say from the first time I meet them till they decide to put their house on the market is typically a 12-month period because they really want to weigh the options. They want to get the market analysis, see what the value of the home is, and they want to explore the options. Look at other homes around the area, trying to decide what the right move is. And one thing we talk to people about, if they don't need to go into assisted living, one thing we talk to people about is maybe trying to rent for a little while. And for a lot of people, renting has this negative connotation. Because for the generation that's selling these homes, they think that if you're renting, it means that you haven't made it. And what we look at it is that you've been in your home for 20 or 30 years. If you do want to sell and you can't decide what to buy, renting allows you to have a temporary living situation. Yes, rents are high, but you're not paying for taxes, you're not paying condo fees, and you have the ability to leave. And that's something that as I've worked with a lot of people that have sold their home that they've been in for 20, 25 years, they've called me up and said, thank you so much for encouraging us to rent. It gave us a chance to kind of decompress. And then we were able to buy the dream property. That was our next move. You know, it's funny you mentioned that. I have a distant family member that's done quite well in real estate. He owns 200 units out in the LA wow. area. And he says that there's a friend of his that he started out renting because he needed the capital to start his real estate empire. And this guy apparently is doing much better than my cousin is doing, which he's doing outstanding at 200 units. Yes. And he goes, I just love renting, you know, renting, you pay the, a flat fee every single month. You know, sure. It goes up 5% or whatever it is. 
and I don't have to worry about a dang thing. And it allows me to focus on my business. I don't have to worry about the roof or this or that. I call a guy and it gets fixed. So there's definitely something to be said about renting. And it's certainly important. And I think that there's a lot of people, especially in the Concord, Lexington, Carlisle, Sudbury areas where there are good schools that can't afford to buy a house. And then they rent so that they can get into the school system. Granted, a different reasoning for, you know, doing, we're talking about seniors, but the point being is that renting is definitely an, a, a way to be able to spend a little bit of money, but you can then have time to find out what you want to do and where you want to go. Because a lot of these decisions, whether it's moving out of the town or moving into an assisted living, they're not things you want to take lightly. Right. And I would say, Ryan, for people that listen to this podcast, if they've been in their home for 20 or 30 years, they're over the age of 65 and they want to stay in their home. You know, that's a great question that I get quite a bit. And they don't have a lot of income. They don't really have a lot of assets other than the equity in the house. I want them to know that there are resources available for them to be able to stay in the home. I'm on the I'm the chair of the Board of Assessors in Concord. And Concord implemented a program where we have an application but people have been in their home, they're over the age of 65, they can apply to get grant monies to help pay for their property taxes. Because not only have the values gone up of what the home's worth, but so have the cost. And so for people who are listening to this podcast, you've been in your home and you want to stay in your home, you know, obviously I'm a sales guy. I only make money if I can sell a property. But as you know, we built our business creating clients for life. And that means always putting the client's needs first. And so we always go in there wanting to meet the objective of the client. And if the client wants to stay in their home, we want to be able to give them the resources to stay. So if you're in your home and you want to stay, check with your town board of assessors or town clerk, see if they offer any grant programs to help pay for taxes. A lot of them do. Yeah, I would imagine that 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 makes a lot of sense because those individuals have paid those taxes for 20, 30 years. And now, you know, granted, I can't imagine it's going to give you like a 100% off or whatever it is, but it helps enough so that, you know, it allows you to still be part of the community. And when we see every single year how people stay in their homes for a shorter period of time, and that's gone from 20 years to whatever it is now, I think it's something on average like eight years, that also erodes that community aspect of a neighborhood and of a town where you don't know the neighbors and you don't have those relationships. Now, if you hate your neighbors, then you're thrilled that people turn over quickly. And of course, Tom's fine with turning over quickly because that helps his business without a doubt. But there are certainly still a lot of towns, Concord being one of them, that wants to have that fabric of a community where people know each other and walk down that you know beautiful uh, downtown area. And you, you kind of know the faces and, and kind of like cheers where everybody kind of knows your name. And, and that's a reason why people stay in those types of towns. And so when it comes to seniors, you know, there's one assisted living in Concord. It's in the West Concord area, but there isn't an overabundance of senior living areas in the, the, the Concord area. But do you find that people are going to West Concord for assisted livings? Do you find that they're going to Lincoln Commons, which is kind of in Lincoln, but it's really in Concord? Are you seeing that those communities have attracted people to sell their homes and they can still be pretty close to what their community is? Yeah, I have a lot of people that want to go into those communities. The problem is that most of them are full and there's a wait list. So it becomes a timing, trying to time it up so that when their name gets called, they can get into it. And in many of those complexes, you do have to put a down payment down 
And so part of it is trying to maneuver to get you in position to have access to the capital in order to get in. You know, sometimes they'll take a home sale contingency. You know, so we talk to people about making sure that they have enough income to have a home equity line of credit against their home so they have access to capital. We also talk to people about doing reverse mortgages. Now, a lot of people feel negatively towards a reverse mortgage because if they feel it eats away at the equity of the home. And that's correct. But if you have someone who doesn't have a lot of income and they really want to stay in their home and they have a tremendous amount of equity, it allows them to gain access to that equity and start receiving income. So, you know, we just we just try to do what we can to do what's best for the, the folks living in that home because it's important, you know, and if they do want to sell to get into Lincoln Commons or Newberry Court, we want to be able to help them and to be able to make that transition. Yeah, I guess I keep forgetting that Newbury Court's over there as well. And circling back to your point of renting and where maybe some people feel that that's beneath them. You know, right now, I won't go into the specific details, but before we recorded, you were telling me of a a situation, and I think it's pretty commonplace where a house is going on the market for X amount of dollars, and it's getting X plus 20, 30, 40% over what the asking price is. And certainly that's great for the sellers, but I think you'd agree that that's not sustainable over a long period of time. And some of those buyers might find themselves underwater for a long period of time. So my point being is that for those that might be poo-pooing renting, right now you have an opportunity in some cases to make more money on that house than likely it's going to be worth over the next five to 10 years when things cool off. And selling that house for 20% over or 30% over, while not guaranteed to happen, but if it does, you've paid for your rent for the next two to five years and you still haven't even touched the equity principle that you knew you had in the house, let alone the money that you made above and beyond that because somebody was, you know, greedy and just had to have your home. And then you've got the best of both worlds. You're literally having your cake and eat it too, because your rent's being paid for and you still have all that money that's just sitting there waiting to be used however you want to use it for buying into Lincoln Commons or Newberry Court or taking a trip around the world or whatever it looks like. That's a good point, Ryan. Chris, for those people that want to get into an assisted living that does require that down payment, you know, one option is to sell now because I was telling Ryan before we got on the call that we were working with a buyer who made an offer on a house in Concord just last night in the house on the market for $7.95. And we were up to $8.95 and came in third place. And for sellers who are sitting in their home saying, man, I would like to get into that action, but I, my next destination is not available. Well, that's where intermediate housing renting on a short term could come into play. And the pushback I get from people is exactly what Ryan said. Well, renting is going to cost me $3,000 a month and I'm just throwing money away. Yes, that's one way to look at it. The way I would look at it is that you can sell your house right now for 20% above the highest value it's ever been on Zillow or Redfin or Realtor.com. And you can sock that money away tax-free because of the current capital gain laws. You're going to have to spend money no matter where you live. And you know, with taxes in most of these communities being... $1,200 to $1,500 a month, that renting, yeah, it's high, but it's not crazy high. And like Ryan said, you can then take your equity and either put it in the bank, put it in the CDs, buy gold or buy Tesla stock. You know, you have that flexibility to spend that money how you want. And then when the opening comes up at Lincoln Commons, Newberry Court, wherever you want to move into, 
not only do you have the flexibility because you're renting, but you have the cash because you already sold your home. Yeah. And certainly it's an option to do that. And it's it's something to consider. And the rental market, while you said it isn't crazy, we're over in Medford. Again, we're talking hyper-local because we have people that listen out in California, but Medford is next to a very well-known school called Tufts. And from what I'm understanding and reading that they're having tough times with rents because a lot of the kids aren't wanting to run back to school at $50,000 a year when they can't even do anything school-wise because everything's Zoomed and online. And so, hey, why are we paying rent? So they're having a little bit of a, there's a lot of on the market in the Medford area for rentals. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get hosed on rental. Another thing that definitely seems to be very popular or gaining popularity again is reverse mortgages that, uh, as I'm sure you're far more educated on than I am, had a really tough go at it at some points in time, 20, 30 years ago, where they got a really bad reputation involved with it. But now things have seemed to have been a bit more regulated. Maybe they're, the rules are a little bit more stringent on what can happen and can't happen. But Again, it goes back to these individuals that whether they want to stay in place or they need to figure out what to do to get their house ready or or whatever it might be uh, to sell. You know, when you're sitting on hypothetically up to a million dollars in equity on your home, which there are people sitting on a million dollars in equity, yes. you know, you can take eighty percent of that and have that as a basically a home equity line of credit to use however you want. It's just called a different name. And then you can pay for many different things that way. Are you finding that's becoming more and more popular out in the suburbs with seniors and being able to age in place while also staying in their home? Yeah, I am, Ryan. And I'll tell you, I most recently got a great example of where a reverse mortgage served the family really well. So I was working with these siblings. Their mom passed away last October and they were in acting. And the mom had been in the house for 55 years. And her husband had passed away many years before her. And she actually just passed away this past October and she was in her, in her mid-90s. So they had done an awesome job planning for retirement. They had saved a ton of money. But what happened was she outlived the retirement. They had planned on retirement. So she'd have income through the age of 80. And she hit 80 and was still chugging. And the income, the retirement income had dried up. So what she did in that case was she was healthy. She was feeling good. She didn't want to move. The house was paid for. So they took a reverse mortgage of $300,000 off of the house. And every single month from the time she was 80 to the time she was 96, when she passed, she got a check from that reverse mortgage. And it allowed her to stay in the home and to keep the quality of life that she was accustomed to. And it worked to be a great program. And so I hear the biggest complaint on reverse mortgages come from the heirs. And it was no different in this case, because the heirs were saying, man, if mom hadn't taken this reverse mortgage, we would have gotten so much more money from the sale of the house. And I was like, well, that's great. That's one way to think about it. I look at the way that your, your mom got to stay in the house for an extra 15 years and die peacefully and have the lifestyle that she wanted. And yet, you know, reverse mortgages, I'm pretty sure, I think it's 60% equity is what they want. So they leave a huge delta in gap. So, I mean, still at the end of the day, the, I think the heirs split up like $250,000. So they still had a ton of walk away money, but it served the purpose of allowing the mom those 15 years in her home, whereas she could have been forced out if she didn't have that option. And I think people listening to this podcast just need to know that option because 
a lot of people are living a lot longer. Every day, longer you live, the longer you're going to live. And, you know, 30, 40 years ago, they were planning those retirements to run through 70, 75. They weren't thinking 95. And so it's just an asset that people can capitalize on. Yeah. And firstly, I said 80% so that you could correct me and look better. So that <laughs> that's just what I do for my podcast guests. Yeah, you do a great job. Um, and certainly that is um, prevalent. You know, the culture of the United States is is very much to put mom or dad in a home and throw away the key and, and kind of once you're not useful anymore, especially earning money, then what else do we have for you? It's not everybody by any means, right. but that's kind of how we are. But the fact of the matter is, even with a reverse mortgage, I mean, you're talking 15 years, let's say. Let's say, all right, from now to 15 years in reverse, we're talking now, it's what, two, 2005. Yeah. So you have a house somewhere in the Boston area in 2005, and you take a $300,000 reverse mortgage on it. I'm willing to bet that you are close to breaking even, if not exceeding breaking even, the value of that house has appreciated over those yeah. 15 years. And so you probably can sit there and you sell that house and you're at what you would have been at if she had sold it in 1995, or you now have an appreciating asset that, yeah, you're going to have to take a mortgage on, you're going to have to find a renter and you're going to have to rent it out. But that thing can stay in the family. And another, if you take a 15 year mortgage on it in 15 years, the thing's paid off and you're just making rent money and cash in a check every single month. So the way that I look at it, and I think you look at it is it's a glass half full. You take a little bit of your money out and then that house can stay in the family. And within a decade and a half can be back to earning you $2,000 a month on a rental and then still appreciate anywhere between three and 7% a year. You know, like yeah. it's, it's the best of both worlds. And mom got to stay in their agent place and die in her home where right. she wanted to. I mean, like it's a great way about doing things and you're, you know, not seeing the forest through the trees, but granted, you know, $300,000 is a lot of money to people and, and, Family dynamics are always interesting. I'm sure you deal with those oh, yeah. plenty, plenty as much as I do, where people hate each other, but they're like, you're sure you want to buy a house together? Maybe we need to make it a 5,000 square foot house and not a 1,500. But I mean, it seems like it's a program that's going to be more and more popular. And then obviously you can sell the house and recoup whatever profits you want, or you can keep it in the family, which I know a lot of people are sentimental and they those yeah. houses, as you know, mean a lot to people. And if they can keep that home, then that's that's really important to individuals. Or you move into the home and you just take the mortgage. I mean, there's so many different options. I sometimes wonder why people, you know, get that upset with the reverse mortgages. It just seems like it's it makes a lot of sense. And so, you know, I guess we gotta ask because you're the expert. Where do you see things going for not only the senior population, but real estate in general? Because I mean, everybody wants a magic eight ball. Everybody wants to be told when the peak is and when to get out. And obviously you can't tell us that, but do you see that there are some people say, hey, it's going to recorrect big time. Other people say, hey, listen, I think it's not going to continue going up as fast, but it's just going to kind of level out. Or and there are other people that think that the roller coaster never goes down. And it can only go up. And what bucket do you find yourself in, in general, when people are trying to plan? Because there are people out there that are maybe 60 and 65 is coming. And the next five years are really important to what actions they take for what their retirement's going to look like. So, Ryan, I agree with you 
I'm not so smart that I'm willing to call a peak, but we are, have been in a tremendous market. I will say that I'm a very optimistic person, but take a little bit of a contrarian view. And I know that sounds a little juxtaposed, but I guess I just kind of live in the real world. And so what we're seeing in the real estate market right now that you're not really hearing about on the main street media for people who are trying to plan out a couple of years is that the COVID crisis, the lockdowns were very, very hard on a lot of people. And I am hearing from a lot of landlords right now that their tenants haven't been paying rent. So the CDC, the Supreme Court actually made a judgment in June that said the CDC moratorium on rents was not valid and that it had to expire on July 31st. Well, July 31st just came and went and the White House decided to extend the moratorium on evictions until October. So roughly we hear there's about 12 million households that haven't paid rent in the last 16 months. Along with that, there's also a forbearance program. And there are about 3 million households that are in forbearance who haven't paid a mortgage in the last 15 months. You know, so those are areas of the real estate market that we have to be cognizant of because if both of those are allowed to move forward with evictions and foreclosures, it could have an impact on our market. I will say that the core Greater Boston market between 95 and 495 are very strong, fairly well insulated. But on the peripheral, you can see potential for the real estate market to start slowing down if and when that happens. And then the other thing is interest rates. Right now, our market has been fueled by you know, being able to get a 30-year mortgage at 275. You know, if interest rates start to go up combined with some of these other factors, I think it's likely that if we haven't peaked, we're very close to the peak and you could see a shift in the real estate market to the downside. Whether it will be a soft landing or a crash will depend on how many of those units get into the marketplace. Because right now, our market is fueled by low interest rates and a low amount of inventory. But if all of a sudden, you know, 15 properties in each town hit the market because the people are under duress, and they got to go, and they price them under the market, that could shift things a little bit. And I was going to say as well is that if you have a, a rental moratorium that, I mean, obviously, I don't think it's a surprise to anybody that somebody's fighting that, right? Because it's already been ruled upon. So, you know, whatever association is going to fight that and get it struck down. So whether that's in the next few weeks or wh however long it takes, if you have a lot of renters that all of a sudden get kicked out of their houses, well, then a lot of people that we're looking at buying houses might turn around and say, hey, listen, I can get a rental for 25% or 50% less than what it was six months ago. And would that have an effect on the market as well? I mean, I imagine, you know, people that might not be able to afford a $300,000 home, you know, but it, they could afford a $250,000 home. But if the rent is affordable, they might go rent instead and see what happens. I mean, I don't know you know, much of anything about it, but it just seems like a lot of rental openings coming up in the near future. Could that affect what the housing market does with buying and selling? Yeah. I mean, we're, and we're obviously talking on a very macro level. This is like on a big picture, but if you want a big picture look that a lot of folks aren't talking about, these are the big picture items that if you were planning whether to sell now or sell later, things that you should be thinking about. But yeah, I mean, most Americans, they don't look at how much properties cost, all they look at is the monthly payment. 
you know, when I'm standing in the kitchen with a buyer in a half a million dollar house and they're putting their down payment down, they're looking at me and saying, hey, Tom, is $4,000 a month reasonable for me to pay for a mortgage to own this property? And I'm like, don't look at me. You know, you need to ask yourself, talk to your mortgage broker. As long as you can afford it, it's well within your debt to income ratio, then yeah, I guess it's reasonable. Because uh, reasonable is different for every buyer depending upon what their income needs are. But yes, to your point, if buyers are looking at rent being significantly less than what that mortgage payment would be, you know, they're going to rent because historically speaking, over the last 50 years, residential real estate was not a way to earn income, a way to great grow wealth. It was a place to raise your family. And if you made money, it was a bonus. It's only been in the last 15 years, maybe the last 20 years, that people have looked at residential real estate as a way to make money. So a lot of people are just looking at a home as a place to set down roots and raise their family, whether that's via rental or ownership, that ultimately all comes down to the monthly payment. You know, So if, if on a macro level, you were concerned about, will things be better in two or three years? I don't have a crystal ball. I can't say that. I'm not really a big MMT money printing guy. So, you know, I think at some point, you know, someone's going to have to pay for all the debt that's been produced and I could see the market shifting to a downside position. And so it should be known as well as that I grew up in Concord, you live in Concord and you're focused heavily in Concord. Concord is a wealthy town that is well insulated that first time home buyers are you're not buying a $300,000 house in Concord. That entry level home is not happening there whatsoever. An entry level home in Concord is is $800,000. If you're fortunate to find the $800,000 somewhat fixer upper, I would imagine at this point in time. But the point of bringing that up is that that's not necessarily what we're talking about isn't necessarily going to have a huge impact on the Concord Lexington area. And, and whether you're in DC, whether you're in New York, you know, if you're in those upper class towns, the rental income is probably not going to have a major effect on you. But there's plenty of people that don't live in the Concords of the world and the Wellesleys of the world that could be affected by that. And that's why I brought it up was, hey, listen, everybody finds themselves in different situations. And you know, just because you're not living in Concord doesn't mean some of these things can't affect you, or maybe they don't. I mean, everybody's a little bit different, but- Yeah, the average home value in, in the country is $350,000. And so, right, you grew up in Concord. I live in Concord, but I grew up in Maynard, which is two towns over from Concord. There, the average sales price is about $450,000. And I've been called by about five or six landlords in the last like 90 days, all singing the same things, saying, I've had this multifamily for 20 years. It's been an unbelievable. It's made me so much money. I've had great experiences with the tenants and I have not gotten rent in 15 months. I have two tenants. They haven't paid rent in 15 months. I'm now in forbearance because I can't pay the mortgage on this property and I don't know what to do. I can't get them out. And I'm potentially going to lose my two family and my primary residence because they won't pay rent. So, yes. Scary situation. Scary situation. So, yes, some of these like core insulated towns aren't impacted, but you only have to go five miles away to find a community where they are being impacted. I think the statistics right now, Ryan, is that 15% of the FHA loans are in forbearance. So, FHA loans are government-backed loans. So the government can track the statistics quite closely. 
15% of those loans right now are in forbearance. So that means they haven't paid their mortgage in at least six months. Yeah. So the reason we bring it up, and it may sound like we're getting away from the senior focused things, but again, it goes back to planning. And planning, correct. My world, senior care is about the ones that do it successfully are the ones that plan about it. If you ride this by the seat of your pants, you're going to have some major turbulence that hits you. So you got to figure out if you're looking at the two to three to maybe even five year mark. Hey, listen, if we aren't at a peak, we've got to be pretty close to it because there's a lot of signals coming around that are saying otherwise that, hey, listen, the good times may be ending, whether that's a lot or a little remains to be seen. So, you know, that's where I thought having you on, Tom, was going to be good because it's like, hey, listen, you have to be thinking about these things, not only on a, a decade basis or every five years, but now, right now, it's like, if you want to make a move right now might be the best time because in three years there might not be as it might not be as lucrative or it might be tougher to sell your home you just don't know where it's at and so making a plan and sticking to that plan is always a good thing but things can change and so you might plan on three years from now. Like I'll give you an example. My parents' plan was to sell. I'm trying to think when, when they were selling was right before 2007 is when they sold and they sped it up one uh, year because of all the turbulence that was going on with the great recession. And so they tweaked it by a year or so to try to maximize as much money as they could get because they were worried about how deep the fall was going to be. So sometimes you have to tweak things, but having a plan is a good one. And you know, it seems like right now you're getting the most amount of money you're probably ever going to get over the next few years. But, you know, who, Never who know. knows? Who knows? It can melt up for another year. We don't know. Yeah. But, you know, if we're looking at the full picture, you know, there are signs out there that weren't there 12 months ago. Yep. And, and those are just things that for people that are li- taking the time to listen to this podcast, we want to give them really good concrete information. And so, Tom, obviously you have a great background. It's a it's a sharp background that, that has your information. But if people want to reach out to you that are listening, how do they reach out to you, especially if you're in the greater Boston area and looking at buying or selling? Best way to reach us is go to our website, which is tomandjoanneteam.com, T-O-M-A-N-D-J-O-A-N-N-E-T-E-A-M.com. You can go to that website. You can email us. You can call us at 781-795-0502. And we are creating clients for life. We will come in on a fiduciary level, meet with you, and we always put the client's needs first. So we will give you the options to make sure that you make the right decision for your family. Tom, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Greatly appreciate it. Greatly appreciate you coming on with your expertise and knowledge, letting our listeners learn a little bit more about some of the senior care options. And thank you all for listening to the Caregiver's Toolbox, where we're providing education and information on senior care topics. Thank you so much. And we'll catch you on the next one.